Luke Mankus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011, and he always says, yeah, one regret, and that is he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate. You came to Kelowna about two, two and a half years ago. Yes, How did I you did. end up in our wonderful city? Well, I was living in Prince Albert in Saskatchewan, and I literally typed into Google, nicest place in Canada to live, and Kelowna <laughs> came up. So we packed up everything in the car, and we drove 15 hours across Canada. I had a dog on my knee, like things sticking in my neck. And we drove here and we stayed in an Airbnb on the west side for four days and we had nowhere to live. No wow. job, but I just believed and had faith. And we found somewhere to live within four days and the rest is history. So you didn't know anyone. No. You weren't sure what you were going to do. No. But you said, let's move to the most beautiful place in Canada. Yes. And that was it. Yeah. And stuff sticking into your neck and... Assuming you mean your car was like really packed with everything. Yeah, all our life was packed into this one, like four, like we had like a four before car. Yeah. I can't think of what it was called, but we literally packed everything into there. As we were packing, we were having to like put, take stuff out and be like, no, we can't bring that. And just everything that would fit in the car. And then we bought ourselves and the dog and came to Kelowna. Wow. How did the uh, dog cope with the trip with all this stuff? Well, I think it's more me that had more of a struggle because his name's Pierogi. And uh, <laughs> he was sat on my knee for the whole time loving it because he was getting all this love. But he was like jumping all over me, wanting to look out the window. So it was more traumatic experience for me than the dog. He loved it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And when you got here, did you agree that it was the most beautiful place in Canada? Absolutely. Because yeah. as we drove in, like we went through Banff and stuff like that, yeah. we stopped off and we looked at the water and I was like, oh my God, this is just, because I've never seen anything like that before. I'm from the UK. Right. It just rains all the time. So when we were driving in, I was like, oh my God. And then we went past like a goat place right. on the way into oh, yeah. Kelowna and yeah. we got out and Progy was loving it because of the goats. And I was like, this is magic. All these goats walking up these like ramps and it was just so like eccentric I was like I'm this is it I'm supposed to be here then we drove into Kelowna to the west side and it's just so beautiful there I saw the lake and I was like yeah this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen 
Nice. So, so how did you get from the UK to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan? I blame Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's where I met my ex-husband was on Instagram. Ah, so you started interacting on Instagram yeah. and he's like, I'm living in the middle of Saskatchewan. He didn't tell me how bad it was though. No offense <laughs> to Prince Albert, but he didn't ever disclose like, hey, it's really flat here. It's really cold. So I literally moved out here for my ex-husband. Like, mm -hmm. And when I got to Prince Albert, it was quite beautiful. It was really warm. So I was like, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. Then winter came. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't great anymore. And I was like, what is this? So you had a discussion. You said, we're not going to stay here. I did one winter. And I was like, I'm going to die. Because yeah. I'm very dramatic. I'm a very dramatic person. <laughs> right. So I was like, I said, well, I'm going to die. I can't handle this. It's just, I felt it in my bones. I vividly remember taking Progi out one night for a walk and my hair was bone dry. I hadn't washed it for days and I got, I thought I'd got cobwebs in my hair because my hair froze. Right. And, and I was dry cold. That, oh, it's not even the wet cold of Montreal. Awful. <laughs> awful. I didn't dare leave the house once for three days because it was the coldest place on the planet. Yeah. So I googled it. Yeah. I was like, what is this? This is, this is awful. So yeah, one winter and I was like, if you want me to stay here... We're moving. That's interesting. I have an ex that was from Prince Albert, so I visited it myself, and I couldn't understand why anybody lived there. No, me either. I couldn't understand it. <laughs> and apparently, uh, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, the Canadian government said, and it was a lot of Ukrainians, uh, they were used to the harsh winters, and they were farmers, and they were under oppression yeah. from the Russian government. And they said, come to Canada and you can have as much land as you want and you can be your own farmer instead of being a slave. And uh, the winters were harsh, but they were kind of used to used that. To it, yeah. So it's mostly Ukrainians yeah. up in Prince Albert. And it's quite beautiful, but the weather is terrible. Awful. Awful. It wasn't, certainly wasn't the weather for a British woman to handle at all. And I didn't. Right. And I'm not even ashamed to say I did one winter and I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> like, right. no. It just, me and Progi would just curl up in front of the fire for days. Right. Because I genuinely believe that if I went outside, I would die. Right. <laughs> I wasn't equipped. Like, we had to go to Value Village and buy all these layers and boots because, and all the clothes sizes are weird here for me. So I just look like, this bag lady with all these like jumpers and coats and <laughs> boots that were too big for me because nothing fits me here. So fashion wise as well, I was like, I'm not staying here. Right. We're moving. I look horrendous. Let's go. <laughs> right. So were you doing tattoo in Prince Albert? Yes. So you started in the UK. Yeah. Tell us how you got into the tattoo business. Yeah. How did that happen? So I, I actually have a Bachelor of Arts in Social Work. I'm a qualified social worker. Uh -huh. I did that on and off for 10 years. I went straight into youth work out of high school. And uh, I went to university. And kind of like second year into my university degree, I was like, oh, I don't like this. Right. But I continued with it. I'm somebody who likes to see things through to the end. And uh, whilst I was finishing my university degree, I met a guy who was a tattoo artist, again, through Instagram. <laughs> Maybe I should be careful. And um, we became, we started a relationship together and he was a tattoo artist and he could see that I really didn't like my job. Mm. And I've always been very creative and I would draw all the time. And that was like my outlet for stress. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, I don't, I just teach you to tattoo. I thought he was joking. 
Mm. But that's it. I was part-time social working and then full-time running a tattoo studio and how, learning to tattoo. How old were you at that time? 25. In what town? In, in the UK? In Leeds. Leeds. In the UK, yeah. So tell us, where, where is Leeds? For those so, of us who are too familiar. So I know London, Birmingham. I'm terrible at geography. Okay. I, I didn't do it at school. I wasn't allowed to do geography. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole UK. other story. But somewhere in the UK, it's more like northern. Okay. Um, near to Yorkshire, where the Yorkshire Dales are. And it's very beautiful. I would say almost as beautiful as Kelowna. People mm. come from all over the world to go to Yorkshire. Mm. It's called God's Country. It's where the pudding comes from. It is. <laughs> it is. And yeah. So <laughs> I was living there in a little town called Shipley which was on the canal. So there was a beautiful canal that run right next to the studio. It was very, very beautiful. And that's where we set up our first tattoo studio together. Nice. Was it uh, challenging starting a business? So you started out in social work. Yeah. Now you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Was that uh, any surprises, any challenges? Lots. Yeah. Especially because my ex, Chris, was just from a different part of Leeds. So, like, for him, moving from one part to another, it was very difficult for, like, clients and things like that. And for me, I'd never run a business before at all, and neither had he. We were both totally... It was like the blind leading the blind. Uh, But we applied for a grant um, because the banks were doing this grant for young entrepreneurs. So we had to write out this very, like, comprehensive description of the business. And we were given some money, which we did have to pay back, but that helped us a lot to set up the business. Mm -hmm. But Chris was great, like he painted the studio whilst I was social working and he did a lot of the setting up mm-hmm. and I just worked to like help us keep a roof over our head and stuff like that and we worked together to build the business but it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Right. It was really difficult, especially the first few months. Yeah. Because we got tattoo studios around the corner, we were new to the area, it was, uh, it was very difficult. What was it like dealing with the competition? Did you, I mean, I don't know what it's like living there. So did uh, yeah. did your competitors get upset when oh, they saw absolutely. you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Did they yeah. come and confront you? Or there was they... what like there's ve- there's a very strange um, environment with the tattoo industry. Like uh-huh. it's very like territorial. Like this is my area. This is my area. And Chris and I really tried to stay out of that. But it, it's you're going to get pulled into some of that drama. So uh, I think we had one day where one guy came in and I just sat him down, made him a cup of tea and gave him a cookie because I didn't know what else to do with him and just like was chatting away to him. And then uh, I think that because he, he was quite hostile when he came into the studio. And then there's like little me sat there behind the desk and I'm like, do you want a cup of tea? A cup of tea solves everything. Right. And um, I thought that we were friends then, but no, we weren't. Uh, we so weren't he was friends. coming to scout the place out. Yeah, and... to come and see us and... Uh. Yeah. So I guess it was a bit of a relief to, to move to Canada because of that tension. Yeah, but even even in Canada, you've still got that kind of competition yeah. uh, with tattooing because I recently set up another business Yeah. Um, as a, a single entrepreneur about six months ago, <coughs> excuse me, um, in February. I mm-hmm. again went into business by myself. So I, I've had to navigate the competition because Cologne is like rife with tattoo studios. There's one like... Every hundred steps. Is there enough business? For me, yeah, I am doing very well because I have a very unique style and yeah. I don't just do tattooing. 
I know that uh, your work is amazing Thank because you. I interviewed Scott and I was asking him about some of his tattoos and he said you did them and I they're did. really incredible. Thank so you. tell us about your unique style. What makes it unique and how did you develop it? That's a good question. So I, I mainly do lots of like black work. Um, What's that? So I don't use a lot of colour. I have done on Scott. I've done both. Yeah. But what I'm... I love is like black work tattoos, so it's lots of black. Um, very like a sketchy, etchy style. There's a, a guy from, he's like the 1300s, and he's named Jean-Baptiste, and he's an artist from France, and he's very, very much someone that I take a lot of my inspiration from. And you know like the woodcut style? Yeah. That's what he does. I'm thinking of, is it, would it be similar to like people who do like pencil or pen? Yeah, or very so thin very lines, yeah. yeah. Or I do very thick lines or hand poke. When I moved to Canada, I'd got no tattoo machines. Mm -hmm. And that's all I know and I've done for like the past six years. So I taught myself to hand poke. What's hand poke? So I just use a single needle and I build up a tattoo using single dots. Scott's shin pieces, which are very large, were all hand poke. Mm -hmm. It took us over 40 hours to do. Wow. Yeah. So that's like the traditional in the... It goes back thousands of years. They found mummies with hand poke tattoos. So the 1300 Jean Baptiste, yes. a Frenchman, mm -hmm. uh, I guess there are books where you can see his yeah. illustrations yes. and people recorded this. Yeah. History is fascinating. It's amazing, yeah. Um, how much do you know about the history of tattoos? A, a, quite a lot and I've recently gone back to researching inks and things like that because things move so rapidly and quickly in tattooing mm -hmm. as they do in any industry I mean when I think about I got my first tattoo when I was 15 so that was 16 years ago and machines and inks have come on so far just in 16 years mm -hmm. so um, I had a friend of mine recently ask me about tattoo inks and do they contain metals? And she's been reading all these scare articles online. Yes. And it kind of inspired me to go back and, and look at what is in tattoo inks these days. Um, and I was quite shocked. It kind of opened my eyes. And that's another reason I only use predominantly black ink. Ah. Because it doesn't contain as much metal as other tattoo as inks. As colored inks. Yes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And has it changed much over the centuries? Like the... the, the so tell us, what is in tattoo ink? So you said there's some metal, but what is it? So basically, tattoo ink, it's like, a, it's just a pigment. Mm -hmm. um, and in one thing I recently found out is that in red inks, they put, um, I'm trying to think of the way, it's basically like a rust mm -hmm. to make it red. And that's one of the colours that people have a lot of allergic reactions to, and now it kind of makes sense. Uh, I see. So they use rust to get yeah. red. What would you use to make yellow, for example? I'm not sure, actually. I'd have to get back to you on that one. So most of the time you're, you're purchasing these. Yeah, yeah, so I make sure I purchase suppliers. mine from people who don't put stuff like that in their inks. Right. All my inks are vegan. They're all animal-friendly. They're okay. all, like... Cruelty friendly, they haven't been tested on animals and they, they contain natural ingredients. Right. Uh, I had to do a lot of research about that because that was another difficulty I had was finding a really good Canadian supplier because mm -hmm. I was still ordering from the UK so it was double the price. Yeah. So I use um, Good Guy Tattoo Supply. They are, they are amazing. Yeah. And they get things to you like super quick and their well, inks are all really good. That's interesting. 
Because, I mean, you might not, if you're a tattoo artist, you might not even be aware of where the products are coming from. You're just like, this is a good price. They got the colors I want, so you place an order. You just have to pay a little bit more money for the, you know, the yeah. same with needles and things like that. Because yeah, there's been a lot of research come out lately about the amount of metal that's in the... Um, the tattoo needles themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's this other company who make these special needles that have um, like less metal components to the needle. And um, they've got these grips that are um, biodegradable because mm -hmm. there's lots of waste in tattooing as well. So that's something else that I'm consciously aware of, reducing my waste as an artist. Yeah, right. So. Um. When it comes to history and culture mm -hmm. of tattoos, so in the 1300s, Jean-Baptiste, yeah. um, the Catholic Church mm -hmm. in France was very powerful at that time, and they basically set the rules. Was it socially acceptable, you know, back in the day to have tattoos, Absolutely or was it like not. an underground Yeah, thing? it was an underground thing. I think it's only recently been that, like, still, that tattoos moved into mainstream. There's still very much like that judgmental kind of um, historic attachment to tattooing. You know, if you've got a tattoo, you must be of, you must have been in prison. Like, it's still that thing of, like, sailors have tattoos. Yeah. You know, it's still very much frowned upon by a lot of people. Yeah. I still get that a lot. Especially because I've got my neck done, I've got my hands, I've got a face tattoo. Like, Scott has a head tattoo. Yeah. You know, it's still very much not been brought fully into the light. It's still not fully accepted. Yeah. It's still something that people have a lot of trouble with. What uh, what kind of issues did John baptiste and people like him face? Like, did they have to, did they have secret clubs? Or how did, how did a tattoo get done without getting arrested? Well, in Jean Baptiste was predominantly an artist, not a tattoo artist. So I just took inspiration ah, from I his see. art. Um, but I'm aware that, like back then, tattoos weren't as much of a thing. It was more of um, it was still a cultural thing. So tribes were getting tattoos. Right. It was kind of like a rite of passage thing. Right. It was more like um, only like wild people right you know tribal Sailors, people got tattoos pirates. oh yeah pirates um, things like that got so tattoos witches witches yeah. you know western culture wasn't that common no absolutely not so you wouldn't have found somebody you you know like a higher um maybe somebody who was classed more as like um I want to say posher, but that's not no, the word nobility. that I'm looking for. Nobility, yeah. You wouldn't have found somebody of like noble stature with a tattoo. Right. And are there ancient cultures where it was more popular, more common, like maybe Egyptians or yeah. where it was, you know, where a wealthy person or a noble person might even have yeah, a tattoo? Especially women. Mm -hmm. One thing I've found in doing my research, because I, I like to research like the history of tattoos is that, like, from Egyptian cultures, it was women that got more tattoos because it was um, it was a ritualistic thing. They would, like... It was kind of like a, a way of, of putting decoration on the skin hmm. with symbols and patterns, and they would all be very much inspired by gods and goddesses, and it was, like, the sun, the moon. It was very much, um, like, a, a magical thing, a very powerful thing. Right. And we know this because uh, we see, like, in the tombs and so on, and the uh, nobles and the wealthy people had a lot of artwork done of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, they had tattoos. Yeah. 
But it, go, yeah, it goes back thousands of years, especially, it's a very tribal thing. Mm-hmm. I love the, especially, that's why I love the hand poke, you can create that tribal look. Yeah. And there's women, even now in like tribal cultures, that will get these beautiful face tattoos. Yeah. And it's all down like the, the face and all down the neck, but the men don't get them. It's, right. it's very much a female thing, because they, they're classed as wise women. Interesting. Yeah. What do tattoos mean to you? Like, what, what is the, the, is it something fun to do, or something decorative, or do they have deeper meaning in some cases? Mo, all of my tattoos have a, have a deeper meaning. Even, like, I have Disney Princess down the side of my hands. Right. And even that, for me, even though it's a fun tattoo, for me, it was, because I, I love Disney. Yeah. And Disney, for me, it's not just a surface level love, it's a deep love going back from being a child. So getting that done... For me, and it was my first hand tattoo as well, so it was stepping into like a whole new space, even just to get like visible tattoos, because I kept my tattoos hidden for a long time because of social work. Mm -hmm. So I'd always keep them hidden underneath like sweaters and things like that. So it was a big step for me to start getting them on my hands. I'm guessing your neck tattoo is more recent. Yes, last year I got my neck done. And what does that represent? Well, this is the flower of life. Uh-huh. It's a symbol that I have on all my business uh, cards and things like that. So the flower of life is sacred geometry. And um, it, the meaning of it is that everything is connected, that we are all one. What yeah. you do to yourself, we do to other people. You know, how yeah. we show up is affects other people. Right. It's like a vibration. Yeah. It looks like a lattice work. Yeah. Is that... Yeah, Accurate. it's yeah, it's this. You can add to this, and you can grow it. You yeah. know, you can, or you can just keep it as a single flower. Yeah. but it's never ending. Who does your tattoos? I go to different people. Um, most of mine have been done by people back in the UK. Obviously, I've been here, so I've been looking for new artists. So there's an amazing guy at Don't Look Down called Clay Castles. He did my neck. Uh, he's also done some symbols on me as well. And then there's another amazing artist called Lars. And he works at, um, I think it's Live Another Way. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be carrying on a lot of work for me as well. How do you deal with different styles? So you've got a unique style, mm-hmm. very particular style. But if someone comes to you and says, you know, I love your style, but I've got something that maybe you haven't seen before mm-hmm. or it's not your favorite. And they say, I want you to do this. Will you do it? No. No. So you will do <laughs> no. your style. I will do other styles. And I'd like I don't mind... For me, my happy place is tattooing. Right. So I, I don't care if it's a single letter or if it's a full sleeve. As long as I'm tattooing, I'm happy. Right. So I'm very open to different styles. But if it's something where I know I can't do a, like an amazing job, mm-hmm. I'll tell them to go to somebody else. Because I want them to have the best possible experience. Right. I want their dream to come to life. Right. And if I can't confidently do it, I'll just... So it's of, more a question of what you are really great at yes. that's yeah what limits so has anyone asked you to do a tattoo that i don't know for ethical reasons or something you just don't you don't want to do it for that reason mm-hmm. or is it just because of competency and you you want to stick to what you're excellent at it's a bit of both really yeah definitely um if somebody comes to me and it's something where i know like if it was a real like realism Mm-hmm. I can't do realism. Right. 
maybe it's a fear thing as well. I probably could. Yeah, but, but you don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake. You know, tattoos are permanent change to the body. They can't just rub it off. Right. So I want to, you know, ensure that when I'm doing something, it's to the best of my ability and that the people are getting a good job. You know, I won't just do something for the money. Right. <laughs> Definitely not. You know, it's a... Uh, Tattooing for me is very much an energetic thing as well. It's an energetic exchange, you know. Somebody's coming to me with an idea for money and it's, you know, and in exchange for that money, they're getting a piece of artwork. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, and it's a permanent piece of artwork. So if somebody's coming to me and I can't give them a full positive energetic exchange, I won't do it. Right. Tell us about your shop. Where is it? And how people get in touch with you. So it's on Pandozi Street, mm-hmm. but the other end, I didn't realise there's two ends to Pandozi. People get lost all the time. It's really confusing. <laughs> Very con- confuses me all the time. I think it was around 2004 when they built the new bridge okay. and they rerouted all these streets and they said, ah, we'll just keep the name the same. People are like, where does it <laughs> merge onto? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> you come off Bernard and Most it's kind of it's down there. Like, yeah, so um, I'm based, it's uh, 1638 Pandozi Street. It's next to the new... A winery called Rico Bambino. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I'm next door to there. Right, you knew this. I haven't been there yet. Rico Bambino is nice. We've yes. had a couple glasses of wine yeah. there. I haven't been yet. And I noticed your shop, but yeah. didn't know it was you. So yeah. we'll definitely pop in and say it's hi. It's a very beautiful space. I'm yeah. very proud of the space that I've created there. It's very yeah. open, and it's very much me. I was really fortunate, so there was a previous owner, she was called Incan Arch, she now has moved to Alice Street, she's an absolutely amazing microblade artist, so she does the eyebrows, Mm. Uh, she's got her own um, academy now and she teaches people, Mm. she's absolutely phenomenal, she taught me how to do microblading, and she moved out and left me a desk, she left me a bed, and I was like, can I pay you? And she's like, no, it's fine. Oh, wonderful. So I was very fortunate to get the space That's that I got. It's very, it is very beautiful. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm guessing you're still very much in Instagram. Love Instagram. You show some yes. of your work. On Everything Instagram. is on Instagram. I have yeah. two Instagram accounts. So more of a personal one where I show, I suppose, a little bit more about my life mm-hmm. is Tanya Viala Tattoos. Okay. And my business page is the Ink Temporium. Ink Temporium. Okay. Yes. And we'll put links to one or both. Okay. It's up yeah, to you great. in the show notes. Yeah. But um, I think it, Instagram is great for visual artists. It is. Like yeah. yourself. So yeah. who would you like to nominate to come on the show in the future? So, yeah, my friend Sylvia Wells. She's an absolutely phenomenal energetic healer. She's uh, She's got her own business. It's called R&R Wellness. Again, mm-hmm. she can be found on Instagram. She does healing sessions out of her own space and also at the Ink Emporium. Nice. So people can contact her through Instagram and set up whether they want to come to, like my like shop. She has her own room there. Yeah. And she's also got her own room, her own studio. What What do you like about Sylvia? Everything. She's <laughs> a, she's a phenomenal woman. She's I met her when I first moved to Kelowna. We went to a meditation at the Pyramid at Summerhill Winery, yeah. and we instantly connected. And, um, she, yeah, she, she does. She puts up with my madness on a daily basis. <laughs> I'll message her and be like, did you feel that? And she'll be like, yes, I did. She just, she makes me feel like I'm not so crazy. 
Wonderful. She she does. She colludes with my madness. <laughs> yes, we do. We yeah, she's phenomenal. She's a wonderful person. Do you have any questions? Kara's got this annoying habit. As soon as they shut the microphone <laughs> off, lots of questions. As soon as they shut the recording off, she comes up with a brilliant question. Like we just finished. <laughs> but do you have any? Yeah. So how do you deal with the the passion of the art and making them hurt? Because it hurts to get attacked. It does. So how do you yeah. make yourself feel like you're not hurting them so badly? <laughs> That's a really, really good question. So um, in 2016, I went to uh, do my Reiki. Yeah. So I'm also a Reiki healer. That's also something else that I offer. And um, I don't. That's I still struggle with that. When I first started tattooing, I would be constantly told off for saying sorry, mm. which fits really well in Canada. It's, it's a Canadian, Canadian thing. It's a Canadian thing. thing. You are a, so an I official Canadian now. It. Yeah, because I say sorry all the time, and it's one thing that I kind of really had to drum out of myself, because that when someone was like, ow, or, you know, that's hurting, I'd be like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And what that kind of did is make people feel that I wasn't in control, yeah. because I'm saying sorry. So I kind of apologise after now. And whilst I'm doing the tattoo and giving them that experience, I will ask, do you want me to like channel Reiki? Well, you know, healing energy whilst we're performing this tattoo. And it kind of becomes like a ritual. So I don't just offer, you know, your bog standard, come and get a tattoo from me. I like to ask people, you know, do you mind if I sort of channel the, the Reiki energy, some, put some love in as I'm putting that pain in. And uh, I very much try to hold space for people when they're in that, like, painful space. Yeah. And I always say to people, don't be a hero. If you're in pain, tell me. We can stop, we can take breaks. Nice. You know, it hasn't all got to be done at once as well. If your body's saying no enough, listen come to your body and come back at another time. Do you get a lot of swearing? Not so much in the UK, absolutely. Every other word's the F word. But one thing I have found in Canada is people are a lot nicer. There's more polite. More polite. And I'll say, you can swear, just don't swear at me. Right. Yeah. The swear words go past me. There's only been one person that, whilst I've been here, who was actually swearing at me. Yeah. And she was getting her foot tattoo and I'd warned her. Worst spot ever. I never, I'm very much somebody who will say, this, this is going to hurt you. Because I want to prepare people. I would never say, oh, it's not going to. It's fine. It's like a it's like a fairy tickling your foot. I wouldn't. <laughs> so I'd already said to this lady, like, are you sure? There's only a second tattoo. And she was started swearing at me straight away. Yeah. And she directed a swear word straight at me and called me the B word. Oh. And I, I, I stopped. And I was like, I, I understand you're in pain. Please don't swear at me. And that was strike one. <laughs> we got to like strike four because <laughs> I'm a very patient person. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going I'm to have to stop this tattoo now. She was moving a lot. But that's, that was probably my, that's been my first and only experience in five, almost six years of tattooing where I actually had to say like enough because she's swearing at me yeah. and you're not paying me enough. <laughs> and this was partially completed so you, you I did actually finish the tattoo you finished it I did finish but I wanted her to come back because she'd moved a lot and some of the lines were wonky and I wasn't happy and she wasn't fully happy either so she came back she and, never and, came back oh she never came no. back oh. I just took that as a sign that she tapped out 
It wasn't my fault. It was hers. <laughs> what do you, like, if someone wants to get uh, intoxicated um, because Maybe of the pain warm. Yeah. in advance, what, uh, what do you do? No. You just say no. No. Come back when you're sober. Yeah. Some people will treat, some people smoke marijuana or take CBD and stuff like that. And if I'm not aware, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing right. I can do about it. But it's all, like on my consent form is about like, don't, don't come intoxicated yeah. and well, stuff like that. Well, I know like we've all heard the stories of someone getting drunk and then getting a tattoo and saying, what the hell did I do? People do. In Europe, that's very much a thing. People, yeah. you can get a tattoo whilst you're drunk. But I'm wondering, like, let's say I come and talk to you and I yeah. say, here's the design I want. We agree on everything. You give me a price. We set the appointment. Yeah. And I say, listen, I'm going to have to have a few drinks before I come. But we've already agreed. I've already signed everything. And I'm intoxicated. Are you still going to say no? I'd still say no. Yeah. Okay. But all deposits are non-refundable. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if we've already had this conversation and I've said to you, like, please don't come to me intoxicated or I'm not going to tattoo you, but you turn up under the influence, I'm going to say no. Yeah, there, but I'm also going to take the There's a difference between someone who's had a couple of drinks and yeah. someone who can't pronounce their words yeah, correctly. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. I could have a beer, you know, maybe some time and all. The thing is, with, with when you drink... Yeah. You take Tylenol, it thins your blood. So you'll bleed more. So I can good. always, even if somebody's had a couple of drinks and I can't, maybe I can't smell it or I don't know. I had five women come to me a couple of weeks ago and it was an absolutely glorious experience. We were all just loving being in this space together. And I got to like the third girl and the first two were fine. I got to the third one and she bled quite a lot. So I said to her, have you had some drinks this morning? And she kind of just looked at me quite sheepish. And she's like, only like two. And I was like, okay, but you know, had I have known. But she wasn't like, she wasn't slurring her words. She just enjoyed like a few drinks with a meal. Yeah. Just, she did bleed a little bit more. Yeah. But she wasn't like, she wasn't falling off the bed. She wasn't, you know, totally out of it. But she definitely had like one or two drinks because she can tell because she bleeds more. Well, this is good to know for people listening yeah, who are thinking of getting a and, tattoo. Please don't drink and get a tattoo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, let's end there. That's great. Yeah, great.